We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. And I am joined today, he's back, Ross Uglum. You can find him on Twitter, at Ross Uglum. Ross, I don't know if, uh, you know, last time when we were supposed to do this, you were actually covering North Dakota State at the Summit, Summit League Championship, or tournament, where they won. Almost beat the – well, they didn't almost beat Duke, but they did play well against Duke. Uh, but I was here flying solo a couple weeks ago, the day really before – really the eve of free agency. And I was on here talking about, you know, things we had heard about, this and that, what's going to happen in free agency. And it was probably the most irrelevant episode of Pack-A-Day podcast that's ever existed. Pretty much everything I said did not happen, did not go that way. And just really a testament to how things can change in in 12 hours in the landscape that is free agency in the NFL. So needless to say, Ross, glad to have you back on board, buddy. I'm excited to be back. Um, It was fun, obviously. You know, uh, the run that North Dakota State basketball went on uh, was tremendous. And it was was cool for me to be a part of uh, the win in the first four. And then, of course, course, uh, keeping it close in the first half against Duke. Uh, ultimately with the season ending. But yeah, if I was going to miss a Pack-A-Day podcast, 
uh, getting to provide coverage for that was was a really fun personal experience. But I'm glad to be back. I mean, this is uh, this is uh, like one of my favorite things to do. I love talking ball, and this is our chance to do it. Exactly, and that's you know leads me right into what we're going to talk about today. You know, we had kicked around a couple different ideas about what we wanted to talk about, and Ross actually just kind of hit me up about 20 minutes ago and said, "Hey, I'm just going to drop a question on Twitter," and Packers fans do not disappoint um this is incredible that we have so many good questions today that we're really just going to do a mailbag that um you know there's some draft stuff in here there's some you know pack just packer specific roster stuff in here um but i think this is going to be a really fun episode today so ross we're just going to start uh ripping through some of these questions so uh, first of all i wanted to say thanks to all the people that included the questions i'm not sure if we're going to get to all of them today um but definitely read all of them um, a lot of good questions out here, but the first one is from Blob Tanyan at All22 Green Bay. And he asks, who will have a bigger impact in 2019, Jamon Moore or Jimmy Graham? Ross? I, I can't even tell if this is a serious one, um, but it probably is because Moore was the most highly drafted of the Packers three receivers a season ago. Um, but the, the the answer that to me is clearly Jimmy Graham. Uh, they're not going to bring him back for the price that they're going to bring him back and not feature him. Uh, if they didn't want him to be a part of the 2019 plan, he would have been released. That was the way that that uh, contract was structured. So uh, the, I think the obvious answer is is Jimmy Graham. And uh, that, that I think would be the case even if Green Bay did do something wild like taking Hawkinson at 12. Um, Graham's going to play, you know, six, 700 snaps come hell or high water. Right. And I think that's what conventional wisdom would tell you is of course, it's going to be Jimmy Graham because he's clearly going to be a part of the offense. I think the, the fan in me would love if Jamon Moore took a step and, and was an extremely productive receiver for Green Bay next year. Um, I'm still high on Jamon Moore. I still like what he did in camp last year, but uh, you know, you got to temper your enthusiasm a little bit with him, especially with these young guys. So, uh, next question comes from Alex Roundtree, who is at a Roundtree 27. He asks, do you think Billy Turner is a guard going forward or is he Brian Bulaga's replacement in a year? Can the answer be both? <laughs> I think I, it could uh, be. Yeah. I mean, I think ideally if you're Green Bay, you're probably looking at Billy to play guard, you know, for the, duration of the contract that that you signed him to um but billy's an outstanding left tackle at north Dakota state um you know played well against the high major schools that they played during his tenure there uh I believe it was kansas colorado state kansas state and minnesota um he, he he performed well against those programs and their top rushers and really performed what I would call adequately for the Denver Broncos when pushed into that role this year. Um, He got beat up on a little bit by D Ford, but a lot of guys get beat up by D Ford. That said, I I think realistically what, what what that bought you is some flexibility. And it's something I wrote about on she said TV, not that long ago, really it's flexibility. So if you find a guard that you love in this draft, you go ahead and you take him. And then if, if, if nothing else pans out prior to 2020, you know, you have a league average right tackle in, in Billy Turner if, if you know, Belaga doesn't come back. And then you're, you feel like you're really good left tackle to right guard and then average right tackle. You're, you're feeling great about that. 
Yeah, and that's something – and so this is my question for you, Ross, just because when they signed Turner, it was kind of one of those things where you go, okay, well, like you just said, that you know they have an average guard to an average right tackle, um, and they can win with that. They absolutely can win with that. But it also gives them more flexibility in the draft. And you would look at it in the sense of, okay, so what if – you know, what if the Packers are in love with a Jonah Williams or a Jawan Taylor and the way the board falls, he's the pick at 12. Um, how would you envision that all playing out? Would it be something that, you know, you think Turner then more so is kind of just that backup guard and right tackle and they're hoping for those young guys to step up or what, what do you think their line of thinking would be if, if it were to unfold that way? You, well, you know, and I, I really hope that that's, you know, not, oof. I'm really hoping that that's not the case. And, and I mean that truly. Um, I don't think I like any of these offensive tackles enough to take it 12. And then, you know, I've, I've had multiple conversations with folks on, uh, on Twitter about, you know, do you take a guy with a once in a decade chance to pick in the top 12? Do you take a guy that you hope doesn't start? And yeah. if, if you hope he does start, then you're saying, well, we hope the guy we just gave $28 million to doesn't play in Billy Turner. I don't think either of those are really, you know, astute uses of, of, of capital. I don't think that's a really smart way, uh, you know, of, of roster building in, in general. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, if, if, if they like, like a Caleb McGarry or somebody at 44, you know, keep moving down and, and take a, like a Titus Howard in, in, at 75 or early in the fourth round. That makes a little sense. Give, you know, give him a year uh, to compete with Jason Spriggs and then, you know, kind of uh, maybe re-sign Spriggs. Maybe you don't. I think Packers fans are hope that you don't, but you have that chance then to um, have the Spriggs versus Bulaga versus fourth round pick X discussion at tackle or third round pick X discussion at tackle. Um, you know, maybe you sign a, uh, one year stopgap guy. Maybe it's Alex light. Our guy, Andy Herman really likes Alex light. And I can see, you know, some of the traits that, that would make me understand that as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of my idea as far as the offensive line goes. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think if they are going to take, if they want to take a, an offensive lineman high, I think 30, 44, though, that's kind of your sweet spot anyways. And, you know, when draft night comes, there's always those players that, you know, when they go before your team picks, you kind of take a sigh of relief. And Jonah Williams and Juwan Taylor are going to kind of be two of those guys that if they pull the trigger on one of them, uh, okay, I'll talk myself into it. But, gosh, I hope they go before 12 and push some players down. Um, next question. I like this question a lot. This one's interesting to me. This is from Derek Sadownik at DJ Sidhouse 7. And he says, or he asks, if Bosa were to fall to pick four or five, would you consider trading up if you were the Packers? And if so, how much do you think it would cost to move up from 12? So, so I, I, I personally would not. And, and my reasoning is this. I'm not that high on Bosa. I think he's going to be a great player. He's my number one edge. But I actually think that the shelf at the top is Bosa, Brian Burns, and Josh Allen. So if you're going to move up, I would move up based on the last one of those three being available and not necessarily just Bosa himself. As far as what it would cost, 
Uh, Michael Cohen from The Athletic did a really nice job with this and kind of explained based on three different trade charts what would it take to get where. 12 and 30 should be able to get you to five or close to it. Maybe you throw in a six-round pick or something, but 12 and 30 should be able to get you to pick five um, in general, which would be, of course, the Packers' true pick and then the extra pick that they have from the Marcus Davenport deal with the Saints. Yeah, and I think if you would have asked me this a month ago, I would have been a little bit more inclined to to potentially wanting to move up to take a Bosa or a Burns. Um, but now with, you know, the moves that they've made at the edge position, you know, and that would be that would be the position I believe you would trade up for in this draft class. And the Packers, I don't think they need to pour in assets to do that now. You know, they're not – that was kind of the benefit of what they did in free agency is they, they have so much more flexibility – uh, now in this draft and, and you know, they can kind of sit back and see who's starting to slide and, and who's going to be available. And I don't know, I, I, this is just a feeling I have, but I just have a feeling that Ed Oliver is going to be sitting there at 12 and he's going to be the guy that we are pounding our fists on the table that they take. Will they do it? I don't know. Um, but a player like that, I really do think is going to fall to 12. And so that's why I would be hesitant. Because you're right, I'm looking at the draft tech, you know, trade value right now. Uh, 12 and 30 would get you up to the four to five range. And I think this is a buyer's market, too. So um, I'm with you on that. I would not trade up. And honestly, here's here's a semi-lukewarm take. If I were to trade up, I, I would take Burns over Bosa at four and five, um, just because I think he's got a higher ceiling than Bosa. But uh but like I said, they don't think they really need to anymore. They're good. There's, there's going to be a good player there at 12. Um, let's see. Next question here for Sean at SB Osen, I think. What position besides quarterback is off limits early? It seems like everything else is on the table. So for me, I think, you know, tailback, I don't think there's a tailback worthy of it. You saw uh, the, the, the Jacobs kid for Alabama run slow. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of puts you in a place where he's definitely not somebody you need to be looking at early. Uh, beyond that, you know, I think um, it's center. And, and we've talked specifically about Garrett Bradbury, or at least I have. It's hard to keep track of all of the places that I've talked about football. But, I, you know, I think uh, the, the, Brad, the Bradbury discussion is at least something that, that has been uh, discussed. And he's a center-only prospect. Uh, they, they have a really, really good center sign through 2020 in Corey Lindsley. I think running back, quarterback, and center would really be a difficult conversation to have. Uh, beyond that, though, um, and safety. Safety, safety. well, depends on what you define early. There, there's not a safety uh, worth taking at 12. That, that's just, uh, based on my evaluations, that's just fact. If you want to trade down to 20 and take Juan Thornhill – uh, or or Nasir Adderley, whomever you know tickles your fancy, that's fine. But you better grab something of extreme value to move down. Uh, so so center, running back, and safety corner. It depends how you feel about Greedy Williams. I would not take Byron Murphy or DeAndre Baker early. Uh, they're just not good enough athletes to use that kind of a pick on. And frankly, I think both are zone corners. And Petten has kind of shown he doesn't really want to play that anyway. So corner would be an interesting spot, but linebacker, normally I'd say no, but the Devons make that a, a difficult, no, defensive line, like you said, what if it's Ed Oliver? 
that, that that's a conversation that I think has to be had. Edge, well, they just signed the Smiths for a bunch of money. Yeah, you can't have too much pass rush. Guard, we've already discussed. Tackle, we've already discussed. Tight end, Hawkinson's available. You know, wide receiver, what if they want DK? Uh, I think the answer to this question specifically, I would say tailback, center, and safety. Yep, nothing. I don't have anything to add on that. I think that's exactly right. Um, and I think we kind of, you know, we do have similar takes on, on you know, positional value as well. So I agree with that. Um, two questions here, and I'll just lump them together. This is from Joe Giuseppe Polka Tornado, at Polka Tornado. Um, and he's asking for three to five slot receivers, or sorry, not three to five, but rounds. So day two, day three slot receivers, and day two, day three tight ends. Um, that the Packers may target in the draft. And I really like this question, Ross, because if the people don't know, you have an incredible big board that you're putting together with kind of the Packers' thresholds and athletic testing numbers that they like. So um, I, I'd love to hear your take on this too, Ross, and who's some of those guys that you think that might be available that, that would really uh, pique the Packers' interest? Sure. So I'll go kind of outside the top, uh, we'll call it, 20 of my rankings, uh, which actually, you know, is kind of convenient in that the only guys you lose really are the Iowa tight ends and DK right at number 21. And a guy I think to really pay attention to because of his potential fit is my wide receiver two in this class. And that's Debo Samuel. He's a Randall Cobb clone with maybe even some more athletic upside out of South Carolina. So another SEC slot receiver uh, to kind of fill into that space. Uh, Hollywood Brown is a guy, I think, uh, depending on what you feel about having a, a guy that thin with a list Frank injury, that's something to watch. Then you've got two guys on the completely opposite side of the spectrum when you're talking about uh, Hakeem Butler, who is just an absolute giant, and then Nikhil Harry, who's kind of an athletic freak, but maybe somebody that struggles a bit with route running. Beyond that, you know, I, I think Irv Smith Jr. is a guy that is probably going to go – before the Packers would be comfortable taking him just because of uh, his height and, and some generally not that great athletic testing. But if you're going to be looking for a tight end, you know, around where maybe Green Bay picks at 75, you might be looking at a Jay Sternberger uh, of Texas A&M, though he's also kind of an average athlete. And then, you know, after, after Jace, I think you get a little bit projecty with a guy like Cahale Waring, uh, who I have ranked as the sixth tight end in this class, but is a, a really a top tier athlete and a small school kid that if they got involved in, you know, 75, I wouldn't freak out. But then once those two fourth round picks come around, I think he really does start to present tremendous value. And I like Cahill Warhing a lot. And his full name is, he's got like eight names. Um, but yeah, this is, that's the kid from San Diego state. He had never picked up a, a football in his life until his senior year of high school. He was a water polo goalie all throughout high school. And he is, uh, when you talk about athletic profiles, his, he, he checks a lot of boxes. Packers may be really interested in him, but like you said, big time project, big time project. Another guy that's kind of a project too that I like at the tight end position that you didn't mention is, um, is Dawson Knox out of Ole Miss. He's a guy that's kind of grown on me throughout the process. He was not super productive at Ole Miss, um, but you put those guys in that Ole Miss offense, and 
a lot of them weren't, and they didn't really use their assets very wisely there at Ole Miss the last couple of years. Um, so he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle, but I think he's a kind of a size speed weight type guy too. Um, someone that might, might, uh, the Packers might like a guy that we've mentioned on this very podcast at the wide receiver position is uh BC Bissy Johnson from Colorado state. He is a guy that fits the Packers athletic threshold and he played for Alvis Witted last year. He's a guy that I think is really worth keeping an eye on. Um, he's grown on me quite a bit as well. He's a really good route runner. He's a really good athlete. Um, just a guy that I think would kind of fit in the mold of what the Packers would like to do. Again, though, Ross, we've also talked about it. They've already got a bunch of second and third day uh, wide receivers on the roster. How about we just let those guys develop? Um, but that's a great question from Mr. Giuseppe Polka Tornado. Yeah, and that, uh, is that we've mentioned before, which is just that if you want to take a receiver, you better take him by 44 and be really committed to making him a, you know, a star. Um, if you're just trying to take one, take one. There's so many of those mid-level options. Javon Moore, Equinemius St. Brown, MVS, Trevor Davis, you know, uh, Geronimo Allison is still on the club. Jake Kumaro is still on the club. Don't just take another receiver to take another receiver because they have what I would call replacement-level, NFL-level receivers already on the team. There aren't guys that can't play in the league. They have like eight guys that can play in the league. Um, potentially just one difference maker, though. So if you're going to try and get a difference maker, you're, you're not ready to wait for MBS to be a difference maker or wait for ESB to be a difference maker, sure, I guess, you know, accelerate the clock, grab Debo, grab Hakeem, um, want to get wild, wild, grab DK. Do, do, you know, do your thing. And so that actually leads me into this next question. This is perfect. Uh, this is from It Bears Mentioning at It Bears Mentioning. It's, he's, and he's asking, should we think of Equinamius St. Brown as a potential slot receiver? Does he have a good history of playing in the middle? I'm sorry, does who have a good history of playing in the middle? Equinamius. Yeah, so that's something that I actually uh, profiled in Cheesehead TV. If you just search, you know, Google search my name and slot, you'll find uh, the in-house options that I gave for replacing Randall Cobb. And ultimately, I came up with Equinemius as the winner. Um, he didn't have certainly the highest percentage of, of slot uh, snaps, but he, he played well when he was there. I think he has that big slot, like Marcus Colston type, you know, game to him if he really wants it. He's a better athlete than Colston was. Uh, and, and I just, I think that's kind of his, uh, if, if you were ever to, you know, run like what the 14 Packers did, and that was, uh, you know, Nelson and Jones on the outside with Cobb in the slot and just run no huddle the whole time. If you ever really to just commit to three guys with the guys they have in the roster now, I think you would roll with Jimmy at tight end, Equinemius in the slot, and MBS and Adams outside. Is that a great idea? I don't know. Is that what Lafleur will actually do? Probably not. I, I would doubt that he would just, you know, roll eleven personnel out there with no huddle. That's kind of more of a McVeigh thing than it is a Lafleur Shanahan thing to keep going and going and going with the same personnel. So I, I think that ultimately, Equinemius actually is the best option in the slot. 
Yeah, currently, I, on, the roster. currently on the roster. And, and yeah, and that could all change for sure, especially if they go after a Debo. But there's so much to like about EQ in the slot too. I mean, he him with I mean he his footwork I I thought made he made such great leaps and bounds last year. And when you get a guy that's I mean he's a legit six five two twenty that you know he's kind of that like you mentioned that big slot that where people like playing their tight ends in that role as well. But he's he's more athletic than those guys. And him with the two two way release. Um, could be something that could be really fun. You know, this obviously all could all change if they go out and take Debo Samuel, like pick 44. But um, I, I actually read that article, Ross, and that's I, I love that you came up with EQ as that. And I think that's a really interesting pick. And I think that's a really exciting pick, too, just because of what he offers physically. Um, let's see here. Next question. This is actually from... From our guy, Mike Wenlin, who is also on the Pack-A-Day podcast, and he wants to know, Ross, why do people hate Blake Martinez? Great question. But Blake, Blake gets a, you know, kind of a rough um, – I, I think he gets a rough evaluation uh, because he doesn't have the interceptions and the forced fumbles, fumble recoveries you'd like to see. He's just rock solid. Um, he's, in a, he's really a good blitzer, and that's, I think, the most underrated part. Because if you're looking for impact plays, uh, those plays have to be, in my opinion, considered, you know, I- I- impact plays. And so that, in addition to, I think, real progression as a coverage player last year, uh, Pro Football Focus just tweeted out something about, uh, in, in their grading system, just how much he jumped up as a coverage guy this year. You know, they, they've always had him as a top 20 linebacker. And if you, you know, say there's two, maybe two and a half off-ball linebackers that start for every team, depending on what base defense you have, you, you know, at league average is going to be somewhere around 50, you know, for a linebacker. There's probably, a, or maybe, you know, there's probably 70 starting linebackers in the league or, or so something in that general area. So 35, 40 would be average. Blake is decidedly above average as a, as a starter. Um, I, I just, I don't know what people want. I think a lot of what it is, honestly, Jake is confirmation bias. And then, and what I mean by that is, is confirmation bias of um, constantly griping and wanting wanting and wanting and wanting the Packers to address that position early in the draft and then never being rewarded for that, whether it was, you know, passing on Reggie Ragland or uh, CJ Mosley going, I think either right in front or right after ha Clinton Dix having the opportunity to take miles Jack, but taking Kenny Clark instead, those people that really wanted those off ball linebackers um, are not generally probably going to like the mid round guys, you know, that Thompson took instead. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can't, you know, as fans, we want an all-pro player at every single level, at every all 11 spots, and you can win a lot of football games with a Blake Martinez manning in the middle of your defense. I think I think Mike even maybe said that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but because it is, it's almost, it's almost comical. Like, Blake Martinez is a guy that every single team in the NFL would love to have on their roster. He's, he's a dang good football player. Um, could they do better at that position? Sure. Uh, watch them go take Devin Bush at 12 and and that's exactly what they would be doing or or playing actually that leads me that's kind of an interesting question say say they go they do take uh, a Devin Bush at 12 what what would you envision that defense looking like could those two be on the field at the same time 
Yeah, I think they really could. I, I think, uh, you know, you'd have to figure out what it is that you want to do with Oren Burks uh, at that time. But, um, you know, Bush is a game changer. It's sort of a philosophical thing. I would not take an off-ball linebacker in the top 12. But Bush is a special, special player, man. And if it happens, I'll talk myself into it pretty quick. Did you see – I know you did – those his pro day with the way he can flip his hips and get into his back pedal. He's not a line, he, he's an off the ball linebacker, but but Dan, he looks like he looks he run he moves like a corner. I mean, guys like that don't grow on trees. And good lord, uh I mean you talk about wanting a guy that can kind of play that safety off ball linebacker position that so many people have been clamoring for Josh Jones to play. I mean Devin Bush is your guy. I mean I'm with you. I he's not he's not a guy I'm gonna be pounding my fist on the table for, but if he gets picked at twelve uh, it'll take all of you know five seconds for me to me for me to be excited about that. Uh, okay, so last question here, and it's it's pitting two guys against each other, and it is, I think it's our I saw it a little bit ago, I missed it, but it's our buddy uh, Giuseppe again, Giuseppe Polka Tornado. He's asking if you have to choose choose one of these guys, Darnell Savage or Juan Thornhill, who is your guy? Well, that's the easy one for me. Uh, Juan Thornhill for me is is, is safety one. Um, if you look at our guy Eric Crocker, Eric played a little bit in the NFL. He's really known for um, excellent analysis of defensive back tape. Uh, Juan is his number one safety as well. Tested out like an absolute freak show at the combine, and I mean freak show. That guy has just absolutely unlimited potential, and it's not all just based on testing. His tape is, is is good. He's played a little Will linebacker for them. Um, he's played deep safety, played cornerback. He is just um, as, as capable as he is of playing single high and how much I value that. His versatility is truly incredible. Yeah, and I think, you know, I like Darnell Savage a lot. Don't get me wrong. I was a big Buda Baker guy when he came out of Washington, and he's in that mold. I mean, he's he's practically the same guy, just a smaller Smaller kind of stout guy that flies around the field, will pop you in the mouth, all that stuff. But I'm with you 100%. Juan Thornhill, his upside is, I mean, he, he's he's Byron Jones is who he is out of Connecticut a couple of years ago. He's a guy that people are going to take with, as this freak athlete that, and, and then it's, well, where do you want to play him? Because Byron Jones came in the league, played safety for a, league, for a year, switched to corner. He's an all-pro corner. I mean, and Juan Thornhill has that type of ability that, he could – I mean, he's he's one of those rare guys that could legitimately be an all-pro at potentially two positions. Um, and so he's not my safety one, but he's he's a damn good player. And I really like him a lot. And if he were sitting there at 30, I would not be upset about that pick at all. Um, I think his range might be more 44 when it's all said and done. But, he, but Ross, he's also one of those guys that if he gets picked in the 20s, would you be shocked? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nope. Yeah, and that's and that's what I mean. It's like right now, you know, he doesn't get all the love and stuff that that you might see other players getting. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him go to be gone before thirty. So um, he he's a good player. So that was that was an interesting one. I I definitely I knew what your answer was going to be on that, but I just wanted to hear you give Juan Thornhill a little bit of love. You're actually the guy that. kind of led me in his direction so um I'm, I'm on that bus with you but that's that's all the questions we got for today and 
you know, I really appreciate you guys all getting those in so quick and Packers, you know, Packers fans never, uh, never, never disappoint when they, when they're asked to rise to the occasion. So appreciate you all. Appreciate you all for listening. Um, and until we catch you guys next time, go back to Shotgun formation, a third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good! 30, turns up field, 25, cutting right to the 20, 15, 10, 5. Devontae to the south end zone for the touchdown. Rodgers looks it over, starts to his left. Now he moves, starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, being flushed. Winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's high, what did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown.